Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Friday. It is the 19th of August. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Experts say the health policy changes passed as part of the Federal Inflation Reduction Act could have a significant impact on older Iowans. The new law will limit insulin payments to $35 a month starting next year and cap all out-of-pocket drug costs at $2,000 a year in 2025 for those on Medicare Part D. It will also allow Medicare to negotiate prices for certain drugs with pharmaceutical companies. That's a practice previously prohibited by federal law. Peter Damiano is a public health policy expert at the University of Iowa. He says the bill's health policies could also help reduce the national deficit. So if we're capping the inflation, if we're negotiating some of these drug prices and doing some of these things, it's not just helping the people with their co-insurance costs. It's also helping reduce the cost of the government that's buying all of these drugs through Medicare. Damiano made his comments yesterday on IPR's River to River. The three carbon capture pipelines proposed to run through Iowa stand to also benefit from the Inflation Reduction Act. As IPR's Kendall Crawford tells us, it will increase the tax credits for companies that choose to pipe their carbon underground. It raises the tax credit for each metric ton of carbon stored underground from $50 to $85, meaning there's more of an incentive for ethanol plants to participate in projects like the one proposed by Navigator CO2. The company's vice president of public affairs, Elizabeth Burns Thompson, says it could help pique the interest of more industries beyond ethanol. With the growth in the the potential with this new legislation, potentially brings additional manufacturers to the table to look at how they can incorporate into into the platform as well. But environmental organizations across the state say they are frustrated with the increased government subsidy. They say it's using public money to increase the profits of polluting industries. Iowa's unemployment rate went down again in July, hitting 2.5 percent. Iowa Workforce Development Director Beth Townsend says it has not been this low since May of 2019, and July extends the string of months where unemployment has dropped. It's the seventh month, consecutive month, where we've seen a a declining unemployment rate. Um, We won't know where that ranks nationally until Friday when those numbers come out. She says more people are returning to work than had previously left the workforce, and employers are creating more jobs. There are more than 85,000 jobs still available in the state. And as we get closer and closer to harvest time, new concerns are rising about Iowa's worsening drought conditions. A statewide virtual meeting is planned for next week to help address those concerns and to survey options. Field agronomist Rebecca Vidito with the Iowa State University Extension says the online meeting is free for anyone to join. It's designed for crop farmers and livestock producers, as well as egg retailers, farm managers, egg lenders, or you know anybody in general that is impacted by the drought conditions and would like to know more. There could be health concerns for livestock as there can be higher nitrate levels in lower portions of the corn stock. There will be several field agronomists in the virtual meeting, along with beef specialists, a farm management specialist, and representatives from the Farm Service Agency. Roughly 16 Iowa counties are in at least D2 or severe drought, while parts of five counties are in D3 or extreme drought. 
The meeting is scheduled for noon on Tuesday of next week and should last around 90 minutes. No pre-registration is required. We've got chances for showers and thunderstorms across the state of Iowa for this Friday. This is IPR's Here First. I'm Clay Masters. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Nearly all abortions are now illegal in Missouri, and other Midwestern states are likely to follow. But this isn't the first time states have banned the procedure. KCUR's Mackenzie Martin has the story of Dr. Annie Smith, a figure who looms large in Missouri mythology for performing illegal abortions in the early 1900s. Missouri has passed laws outlawing abortions in some form since 1825, but that didn't stop people from trying to terminate their pregnancies. Of course, most of the doctors who offered abortions did so in secret, so we don't know very much about them, with one major exception. Dr. Annie Smith. She is still a very controversial figure around town. That's Katie Ray at the Poplar Bluff Museum. If you talk to anybody about it, it runs the gamut of horrible butcher to champion for reproductive rights. Doc Annie, as she's called, graduated from osteopathic school in Kirksville in 1902. Shortly after, she and her husband opened up a hospital in Poplar Bluff where she treated women and children for all kinds of health problems, tuberculosis, appendicitis, arthritis. Over her long career, Doc Annie also provided a number of illegal abortions. Twice, she was charged with felony manslaughter after her patients died. But mostly, Doc Annie was trying to save women from their own botched abortions. One of the cases that Doc Annie had, the woman had done something to herself, and she was trying to fix it. Doc Annie was exonerated of both manslaughter charges by the Missouri Supreme Court in 1934 because the procedure was performed in a life-or-death situation, and in 1939 because there wasn't enough evidence that proved she was the person who did it. But despite being cleared of wrongdoing, her reputation took a hit. She started building a house outside of town, but died before it was complete. And that's when rumors started to spread that Doc Annie had been building an abortion clinic. According to KBIA's Show Me the State podcast, after her death, teenagers from all over town started exploring her abandoned home. Of course, the rest of the legend was that she kept these babies in jars and in formaldehyde and threw them down the pit. A lot of the rumors were that the well contained fetuses. And a group of us as teenagers would go out there and tell ghost stories most of these ghost stories were total fabrications. By and large, Doc Annie was just a doctor, trying to help women however she could. It made for a more compelling story for people for years, like the baby killer, go down into the, the woods and, and talk about how the, the souls of babies and Doc Annie will come and get you. <laughs> this is Parker Smith, Doc Annie's great-grandson. He says she also facilitated a number of adoptions, once, Doc Annie herself adopted a child from a patient. It was just interesting to see, like, just the different ways that she cared for patients. When the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last month, Missouri only had one remaining abortion provider for the entire state. But after the trigger ban took effect, that service is now only an option in cases of a medical emergency to save the patient's life. 
But just like Doc Annie experienced nearly a century ago, those circumstances aren't always clear. A chief medical officer at Planned Parenthood told Congress this month that Missouri's law is putting patients' lives at risk. In order for doctors to avoid prison time, doctors must now contemplate how sick is sick enough before providing life-saving abortion care. Meanwhile, the subject remains a touchy one in Doc Annie's hometown of Poplar Bluff. She's been mostly erased from the public history there. That's something Katie Ray wants to see changed. History is history. And, and it is what it is, and we can't get rid of our history. So that's why I feel very strongly that she should be included in the museum. For Parker Smith, it's Doc Annie's dedication to her patients that inspires him today. You know, she was just trying to do her job and trying to save these women's lives. And right now, he's taking that lesson into a second year of medical school at Mizzou. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Mackenzie Martin. This story came to Harvest Public Media from the KCUR Studios podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. You can find the full episode online, and you can find this podcast wherever you subscribe. It's here first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters.